All right, so we're moving into our, um, our time of scripture reading, and then we probe into that scripture through the sermon, and um, we're, so just to, to give you a picture, usually during the season of Lent, we focus on something, we kind of have a, uh, some ways to go deeper in your faith that maybe we don't always do in other seasons, so... There's a handout in the back that gives you a weekly prayer and sort of reflection question, and you can do that alone as a family in a group. Um, it can be a journaling exercise or a discussion exercise. It can be a prayer that you use daily um, to kind of just focus in on the, the one word of that week. This week is peace. So that, that tool is there for you. We also have been probing into scripture in terms of prayer at 9.30 um, in our adult Sunday school. And then we have these messages based on the, um, on the topic of the week for, for Lent. So Lent is the season leading up to Easter. That's one of the things we're doing to, to really help everyone have, have more ways to grow and connect their faith. Um, so this, this morning we're talking about peace. And Judy is our reader. She's going to read a couple of the passages that we're looking at this morning. Today's readings are John 14, 25 through 31, and Philippians 4, 6 through 7. They can be found on pages 995 and 1086 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's Word. John 14, 25 through 31. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Philippians 4, 6-7 through Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. See if this uh, microphone's working. Yeah, there you go. I think you can hear me. Um, let's, uh, let's pray a moment as we look at this. Let's pray first. Our great God, as we look to you as one who is gracious, and we hope that you're gracious, sometimes we don't believe it, sometimes we doubt it greatly. Um, as we look to you as a gracious one, be gracious with our tender hearts now, 
or our stubborn hearts or our sad hearts as we listen for your voice in these passages. We come from different um, kinds of experiences this week or this season, this year, this decade. Um, We come and um, the truth is we're more of a mess than we want to let on to those around us. Sometimes people are offended by our mess and we get defensive. We don't want to admit it even to ourselves. But we make messes and then we have to deal with the messes others make. It's a messy, messy business, this world and our lives. And you entered into it through Jesus. You entered into a messy world. And somehow you're okay with that. Somehow you, um, rather than starting over, you've entered into a long plan of redemption, getting in the ditch with us and with our world. So that in the end, we're, we are more of a mess than we care to admit, but through what you've done through Jesus, we are more loved and accepted than we ever could dream. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel that um, really became a viral thing almost 2,000 years ago. A message never before heard in quite that way. There's this definitive acceptance through the cross and the empty tomb that you've achieved on our behalf. And we're welcomed in like children to the home where they belong. May we sense that kind of grace and that kind of love as you have your way with us in this message, as you speak to us and maybe challenge us or maybe um, comfort our tender hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's almost two weeks away until the day that my Google Calendar labels as tax day. I heard someone give a, like a guttural, nonverbal response as I said that. Ugh. Yesterday I spoke with someone who had that feeling. They were worried about um, what, what they'd find out from their accountant. Um, you know, because the laws have changed and how's this going to shake out for me? They were worried. Meanwhile, maybe other things worry you. The, your job creates pressures, deadlines, and relationships at work that have you agitated or anxious today. Maybe your school provides you with someone who seems to want to make your life miserable or a subject matter that, um, or a class that just stresses you out because it's not clicking or you just can't focus. So maybe going to school is severely bumming you out for one reason or another. And of course, most of our anxiety and worry comes from the closest relationships in our lives, our family. Um, You know, we worry for our family or we're upset because of what someone in our family said or did or we have hopes and expectations for a child, a sibling, or a parent. And until we get that news, the report card, the letter in the mail, the email that we're supposed to get, or that um, message from the doctor... We practically can't sleep. We carry our worries in our bodies, even. Someone is watching their marriage crumble, and it's so upsetting that they can hardly eat. 
they lose so much weight they need a whole new wardrobe by the end of it. There's always something for us to worry about. You've got whatever just went into your mind as I rattle off all of that. And if it's not something big like cancer, miscarriage, finding a spouse, losing a job, then we find something small to worry about. It's, um, you know, we practically make things up to worry about. It's almost as if we have a certain daily amount of anxiety horsepower that needs to get used up before our head hits the pillow at night, or even after our head hits the pillow. It keeps us from falling asleep. It just needs to find something to latch on to. Philippians 4, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, it was up on the screen. In fact, why don't you put it back up if that's possible, if we have this kind of ability. Yes, we do. Um, as Paul's finishing up his letter, a letter to early Christians and to Jesus-believing people in the city of Philippi, as it comes to a close, we have these verses that practically sparkle, Right? with an otherworldly, glossy type of finish. Do not be anxious about anything, but with, present your requests to God, and the peace that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Some people have parts of the Bible that, they, um, that really bother them, and so even though they might generally believe in the overarching story of Jesus, they pass over certain passages. Usually it's the the violent ones in the Old Testament, or the ones about sexuality, or the ones about money. Um, I almost have that same reaction to Philippians chapter 4. It's just, it's so uh, sparkly. That's the best word I can give for it. I want to caution God and say, be careful what you go around promising people. Why are you making it sound so unreasonably easy to be this have this extreme freedom from worry. I wish God was more general and non-committal in his suggestion of what to do with our anxious thoughts and that he would reduce the promised results that we would, could expect. So in other words, I, I think it would have been more wise for God to have this verse end up saying, sometimes some of us, once in a while, if we're lucky, have found that prayer helps us to relax a little. <laughs> and so as I, I seem to have low expectations for what God has in store for life's worries, this passage challenges me. It wakes me up. I, I have to call into question some of my assumptions. Maybe you do too. And also what comes to mind with this passage, that almost feel, I feel like it needs to be said if we're, if we're going to probe into these words, I've talked to too many people that have battled anxiety as a con condition of mental health. And then passages like this, at some point, quite often, uh, get used and thrown at them as the godly solution. You know, pray more. And ignoring amidst that, and al although that may be a fine thing to tell someone, um, ignoring along the way the need to look into perhaps cognitive behavioral therapy and medication and getting professional help. Um, so there's that. And some of you may carry some of that baggage coming in with this passage. 
So per perhaps, though, what I need, and maybe you need it too, is to look carefully at some of the actual wording in these verses. For example, the interesting phrase, peace of God, in verse 7. Um, and in the other reading, Jesus calls it, my peace. Peace I give to you. My peace I leave you. Not just peace with a lowercase p. Peace of God. I think the Bible's telling us that if we'll stop and listen, there's a category, like a different category of peace to consider. There's peace on another scale, in another dimension. One that can only be grasped through analogies, such as the lion will lie down with the lamb. The infant will play at the cobra's den. Or swords will be beaten into plows, farming implements. Images attempting to wake us up from our daily anxieties. To begin to glimpse God's peace. Jesus' peace. There's a, different, there's a different kind of peace. Perhaps this is why in Hebrew, in, in Jesus' day, when he would have been talking about peace, he would have been using a word that is a, it really has different undertones and a broader scope than the word peace that we tend to use, the, our English word peace. And it's this word shalom that one writer, Nicholas Walterstorff, puts it this way, the peace, which is shalom, is not merely the absence of hostility, not merely being in right relationship. Shalom at its highest is enjoyment of one's relationship. So a nation may be at peace with all its neighbors and yet be miserable in its poverty. So he says, to dwell in shalom is to enjoy living before God, to enjoy living in one's physical surroundings, to enjoy living with God's fellows, to enjoy life with oneself, says Walter Storff. Maybe we get at, maybe it's through the word shalom, or maybe we get at this God's peace when we remember what the Bible is all about. The Bible tells a story not just of life's little problems and some tips on how to solve them or get through them. It tells us the story of ultimate conflict, of epic agitation, of hugely worrisome rupture in how the world was supposed to work. We have all these little conflicts, little agitations, little ruptures day in and day out, but the Bible charts a narrative of cosmic breakdown. Really, the Bible's operating in a different weight class. You know, we've got lightweight problems to worry about. The Bible's got heavyweight problems that direct where the story's coming from and where it's going. A world made in the beginning to be so good, so shalom-filled, to use that word, functioning with a deep, satisfying, enjoying, nourishing balance and harmony and the worldview that the Bible gives us is that all the little and big conflicts and peace-shattering forces you and I experience in this world come from something bigger and deeper, this massive, consequential, ripple-effect violation of God's peace. That's why we talk so much about the fall. Genesis chapter 3, the fall. It's not just something preachers like to give you a lesson about once in a while. We have to include it because it's part of the... You know, it's, 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 it's just absolutely directive of the whole rest of the narrative. 
God's trying to work out and return to the original peace, God's peace. And I can hear someone say, yeah, 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 I've gone to a lot of church. I've heard that a hundred times. Preachers like to talk about the fall. Or I can hear someone else saying, well, that's a fairy tale. You expect me to believe that little story about a garden, an apple, a snake, and some fig leaves is supposed to tell me something meaningful about what I'm grappling with in my life right now. And so with those kinds of you know, realities that are just a part of this conversation, let me try to kind of bring out the importance of this, of really of, of this view that the Bible has of what, how big the problem is. The Christian has a radically different outlook because of the fall and how that shapes the rest of the story. If you're not a Christian, the best you have is seeking little peace over here and little peace over there and little peace over there. The Christian is there's an epic underlying peace. And the whole Bible makes no sense if we don't follow this thread because the whole Bible is about God working to restore this peace with a capital P. I want to say this, that Christians have a different target. Christians say, I don't just believe I might scratch a little piece out for myself in one small area of my life, job, house, finances, whatever. The Christian says, the world exists for so much more. God has invited me into a whole other dimension of peace. A reality that has me waking up in the morning saying, all these little agitations, they're real. They're real worries. It's not like just to, to know this just makes them vanish. But all these little agitations are connected to the underlying rupture that God is repairing through Jesus. That's a, that's a worldview-shaping reality. That's how you look at the world each day and all the problems coming at you. That when Jesus goes to the cross, he's going as the prince of peace. He's repairing the breach. He's reversing the direction from ruptured creation to restoration and renewal. When he rises from the dead Easter morning, his repair work has made this huge leap. It's really begun in earnest. So listen to this. This is God's peace, the peace of God, Jesus' peace. So you have a much bigger story that's playing out underneath your little agitations. I don't mean to belittle them. I just want to put them in the scope of this bigger agitation that our whole world, our whole cosmos battles. You wake up and you say, today the world throws a dozen anxiety-producing things at me. On a, that's, that's on a good day. There's more on bad days. But I've got something deeper. God, let me taste the peace of the cross and the empty tomb today. That's what the Christian brings to the table each day. And of course, we access this. A practice of accessing this is prayer. We access this peace through prayer. Philippians 4 gives us directions of what to do with our little anxieties. Present your requests to God. Prayers and petitions. Anybody who's been living as a believer in Jesus for a while will tell you, prayer is not just a place to send our requests in. You know, kind of like um, the spiritual version of Uber Eats. You know, this is what I'd like to check this few boxes and then it's brought to my door. It's prayer 
that you drive into your heart this peace, God's peace, Jesus' peace. You work it out by engaging with God about your worries. In prayer, you let God instruct you. You let the Holy Spirit open up your eyes. And sometimes you have to almost preach to yourself. You have to tell yourself what you know is true. Remind yourself that God's got this world in His hands. The fall is no longer the last word. Even though the wreckage is still all around us, God's cleanup operation continues after the empty tomb. The fall no longer has the last word. Jesus rose from the dead. You have to almost like preach, you have to preach the resurrection to yourself if you're a Christian. And so we're told to present our request to God. It's almost as if we transform, there's like some kind of transformation of our worries that happens as we turn them into requests. And just when someone says, listen, Mark, I've prayed and I've prayed, it doesn't work. Someone else says, um, you know, I just don't feel anything. I've tried that. And just as those kind of things I know are out there, and I know you bring that to the table, the text says to us two very important words about how to pray. With thanksgiving. Is it still up there? But in every situation by prayer and petition, and then we kind of skip over this brief phrase, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. This is where we have to admit that you and I, in our place of agitation and worry and anxiety, and our anxious fixations, those places usually become a gratitude-free zone. Because we're upset, we're focused at the issue at hand, what's missing, what's worrisome, what's not right with our world, so much so that we've got blinders on, plain and simple, really. It's tunnel vision when we get into these places of our worries. And what incredible wisdom is given to us here to pray with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving sheds the blinders. It really does. It opens up the vision to other things. Thanksgiving moves us out of just ourselves. Thanksgiving primes the pump of faith. Thanksgiving turns our attention from what's wrong with the world to some of the things that are right with the world. Thanksgiving checks our sense of entitlement and fertilizes our appreciation muscles. I know you can't fertilize muscles. That's a weird, that's a weird analogy. Sorry. Maybe I should have touched that one up a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Good. Nutrition to the cells. Very good. I knew there was something there. I just hadn't stumbled on it. Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving stops us amidst our worries and it reminds us how, how past worries were handled and what kind of shook out from those, how they worked out maybe. You look back and you see how God answered previous prayers and you know what can happen even when you do this. You see what God was doing in earlier struggles and you say, oh yeah, God was deepening my faith. Oh yeah, I was growing. So that you can even in the middle of your current worry begin to be grateful for the way God is going to answer the current prayer when you add gratitude to the equation. And you can begin to pray, God, thank you for what you have 
already planned to do through these struggles right now. So we transform these worries, these anxieties, with prayer. or in, We transform them into prayers with thanksgiving. That's what Philippians 4 is guiding us to do. And so even though it sound, the passage itself comes off sounding too polished and too church-friendly for my own tastes, um, almost advice for spiritual robots with plastered-on smiles, I think it actually takes us into deeper terrain where robust and gritty faith is developed. And I think Jesus modeled this kind of prayerful dealing with his own most stressful moments. Because I don't think this is saying, I don't think these passages, I know these passages are not, are not saying trouble won't come. If you have a prayer life, trouble won't come your way. You know, you won't have anything to worry about. It's not saying that. But it's giving you guidance and direction into how you pray through the struggles that will come, the troubles that are there. And so we look at Jesus modeling this kind of prayerful dealing with his stressful moments when he was wronged, plotted against. People were constantly plotting against Jesus, and he knew it. People were making his life absolutely miserable. He was betrayed by one of his uh, supposed friends. He's beaten up. He's ridiculed, tortured, and then he's hanging on the cross. He faced these massive struggles. But we also have the record of a vibrant prayer life through it all, where just, just a few of the things we know that Jesus was doing was, was voicing prayers when he said, Father, take this cup from me, but your will, your will be done, not mine. And he's praying um, on the cross. He's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's voicing Psalm 22. And he's praying on the cross a couple more things. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And then finally, he's praying, into your hands... I commit my spirit. I like that Jesus himself is just modeling this kind of gritty pursuit of the deeper peace that he was accomplishing even as he prayed those prayers. And so I really do think that when Eugene Peterson um, translates Philippians 4 and and he gives us what I'm about to read in verse 7, I really do think that he nails it. I really think he gives us something of how it really works. And so I I just want to close with this um, translation of verse 7 by Eugene Peterson. He says, Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Let's pray. Our God of grace, may the words um, that we heard, maybe you whispered things to us through this time, or maybe it's some of the phrases that I spoke, or maybe it's some of the pieces of these scripture passages or the prayers voiced by your son. May these words seep in to our most anxious and worried places. Where we need professional help with our anxiety, may we 
not use religious language as an excuse not to pursue it. And where we just have the ordinary worries and anxieties of life that, that we just really have never admitted are getting in the way of our faith. May we begin to translate and transform those into prayer. May we do that together as well. We're not alone in this. We pray that you help us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We get to respond in prayer together, voicing the prayers of the people. Today it'll be a little different just because we have a a prayer that guides us in a little different way than we usually do. So your reply to the request is very simple. It's the same words. Grant us your peace. So you have a chance to say that together several times as we walk through this prayer. Um, I don't think that that'll be on the screen. I think that was a, I called an audible on that one. So just know that um, you can keep your eyes open and when I put my hand up, it's grant us your peace. And then we'll have a chance to pray together and enter into just these, the simple prayer Jesus gave us to pray, um, trusting that God will use that to help us pray and help us get deeper into trusting him. So I invite you into this prayer together. And the reply is, grant us your peace. God of righteousness and peace. When warfare haunts our streets, when anxieties haunt our minds and hearts, for the people in places like Venezuela, and in the Middle East, who face the fear and violence of conflict today. For all people who live in historical hotbeds of conflict, grant us your peace. Amidst our own cultural battles, whether it's in our city, in our families, in our country, and all over social media. Grant us your peace. Turn our hearts towards the Prince of Peace, we pray. Grant us your peace. And let us um, voice the words Jesus gave us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We continue our response to God through our offering, and um, the baskets will be coming around, and it's a chance to give back to God from what he has given you It's one of those formative practices that Christians do in worship that shapes how we imagine things work and how we imagine what these blessings are that we find in our lives. It's not a moment intended to be pressure if you're visiting. Um, Just know that and just help us by passing those baskets around and perhaps putting a contact card into the basket, especially if um, if you're new and you, you wouldn't mind telling us how you found out about City Life. Um, and if you have any questions about City Life Church, 
Um, if you have a need, you have just something that uh, you need to talk to someone about or you um, would like an answer about or you'd like um, help in some other way or prayer, you can use that contact card and drop it into the basket. And so um, before the musical offering is played and those baskets come around, I invite you to enter into this time and frame this time with the prayer that's on the screen. Dear God, we offer you our praise. We offer you our hearts. We offer you our money. We offer you our lives. Thank you for everything you give to us. Amen. Thank you.